Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers picked up their biggest win of the season. And this one feels very different from the other ones that we have identified as such. Now, uh, I'm going to explain why. The Lakers beat the Utah Jazz 101-95. to Utah was on the second night of a back-to-back. I don't care. Uh, the Lakers are still playing without Anthony Davis. That's a bigger story, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I want to really quickly just give a, a quick shout-out to the bench unit because look at these uh, plus-minuses on the night. So you have LeBron, who was a plus 11. That makes sense. Ariza minus 13, Dwight minus 9, Russ minus 11, Avery Bradley minus 11. So LeBron, good starter. Other starters, less good. Let's look at the bench guys. Stanley Johnson, game high, plus 18. Malik Monk, just behind him at plus 17. Austin Reeves at plus 13. Taylor Horton Tucker at plus 15. So basically... Uh, whenever the Lakers went to LeBron in the bench, they were world beaters. I would love to see. I'll, I'll look up the numbers on uh, the LeBron and bench lineup tonight because <laughs> that's incredible. I, I like look. I've been doing this now for about seven years, and before that, have been watching a whole bunch of basketball. Um, I'll you know, albeit less uh, professionally. Though would some would contend that I don't do this very professionally either. So, fair. <laughs> My point here is that I haven't seen data to back up a bad lineup change or a bad starting lineup. I haven't seen data that loud in a minute. <laughs> that was incredible. In 16 minutes, the starters tonight, LeBron, Dwight, Ariza, Russ, and Avery Bradley, carried an offensive rating of 103, a defensive rating of 130.3, and that is good for a net rating of minus 27.3. Wow. (laughs) Uh, The LeBron and Bench unit, 15 minutes they play together tonight. In those minutes, LeBron, Stanley, Monk, THT, and Reeves, uh, (laughs) their offensive rating... 141.4, defensive rating of 79.3, a net rating of 62.1. So I don't know how much louder. Like Sometimes you get loud numbers and and they look stupid and and they lack all this context. And look, single game plus minus and single game net ratings and stuff, like they are incredibly flawed stats. But in this case, it backs up. Not just the eye test, but what you know going into a game where LeBron is going to be surrounded by, I guess Trevor Reza is a decent floor spacer, though he is still kind of struggling to get his legs underneath him. Russ doesn't space the floor at all. Dwight doesn't space the floor at all. And Avery Bradley has been shooting okay this year, but he isn't somebody that defenses really have to care about. And those guys are all anywhere from overrated to just outright bad defensively. And wouldn't you know it, that's how that played out. The other group, the the second group that we talked about here, has, you know, 
Malik Monk, floor spacer. Austin Reeves, kind of a floor spacer. Uh, Talon Horton Tucker, not much of one, but he, he'll at least take advantage of space. And Stanley Johnson is not a floor spacer, but he's a willing shooter if he's if he's open. And and then more importantly than that, you have multiple guys on there who will go out and do the little things. Stanley Johnson, I thought of the things that he did most impressively tonight, I thought the way that he boxed out Rudy Gobert was insane. Like He put on a clinic. And then Austin Reeves, I think, does a very good job of making sure that his guy doesn't get to the offensive glass. And what that allows for for to, to happen there is either, you know, and ideally LeBron goes in and grabs a rebound and they get out and run. But even if it isn't LeBron grabbing the rebound, that gets you more space. Again, there's that word again, but more space in the key for guys to gather and get up and go up and grab a rebound. And so what you're, what you're watching is a lineup that, not just makes a ton of sense heading into a game, but then also executed. And then you had the starters, which was the opposite of both of those things. And look, I'm not here to just completely pile on Vogel, although I will say given how hard I have been on Palinka and given how hard I have been at times on various players on the Lakers, I do have to be fair here and say, I thought this was one of the worst games Frank Vogel has ever coached. Uh, now, look, it, this is a single game thing, and this is Frank coaching a shorthanded team that is still trying to figure out its own identity, uh, let alone just go out and win games against this. You know, Utah is a legit playoff contender. Uh, I still don't trust them at all in a final setting. But but the the, the Lakers. I thought were kind of hampered by their coaching tonight. And I thought Frank did a real disservice to the team with not just the starting lineup, but some of the decisions that he made over the course of the game in the, in the, at the end of the second quarter, the Lakers finished that, that second quarter first half with LeBron. And I believe it was Talon, Bradley, Russ and Dwight. And, a lead that at one point was like 10 or 11 points got all the way down to six points heading into the half. And then, you know, you start the game with the starters and uh, we saw how well those guys played tonight. And that's how you saw Houston or not Houston, Utah, not just climb back into the game. That's what they did at the end of the first half, but they also really took it to the Lakers to start the second half. And that's where those, those oh, come on, same old, same old uh, Lakers thoughts start creeping in. And, and I'm going to get to why all of this, to me, signify that this was a really important win for them. But, but look, I, one of the more kind of enlightening things of my sports year so far was the Manning cast, and they had Tom Brady on. And you had three, you know, really smart, uh, well, you had two really smart quarterbacks in Eli Manning. Um, and and they had this really cool discussion about how important uh, the last minutes of, or the last drive of the first half is, and how important the first drive of the second half is, and how if you manage those situations without even needing a stop, if you have the ball last at the end of the first half, and then you get the ball 
first in the second half, you can go on a quick 14-point run and and really sometimes completely change the 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 image of that game, the way the, the flow of that game. And I think here with with this, you know, basketball football is not apples to apples, but I thought this was one of those examples of a bad clock management coach kind of screwing the team at the end of the first half and then having that bleed into the second half and having a game that really could have been rolling completely in your favor all of a sudden become a game that you have to climb back into and then eventually try to win as well. And so, look, I, I think Frank is a net positive. I I, I, I for sure am uh, would much prefer him over David Fisdale and over any of the interim potential coaches that the Lakers might go to if they fired him. But tonight was one of his worst games of the season, and it was great to see the Lakers overcome it. Now to the positive stuff. I So why I think this game is a, a significant shot in the arm here for the Lakers is a few things. One, that Russell Westbrook dunk felt like all of those demons, all of the missed dunks, all of the fumbles on the way to the basket, all of the missed layups, finally Russ just gathered, rose up, said bleep it, and dunked on Rudy Gobert, which is always fun to watch anyway. But Russ just absolutely, you know, gets gets armpits at the rim and elevates and dunks in traffic with a kind of confidence that we just haven't seen from him so far this season. So that to me was like, oh, like I I I tweeted this out. That was the exact kind of dunk I have been waiting for all year. And I would hope that like Russ has been waiting for that kind of dunk all year. He gets up and he gets it. And I thought this was one of those moments that he like he he picked up that tee. I had no problem with the tee. If anything, I I I think it's super duper lame that that the referee would give him the tee there. But I totally understood Russ yelling and cussing and and pounding his chest. Uh, especially in the direction of Rudy Gobert, because what he just did was, was you know, you could you could tell it was the kind of emotional play that he has really kind of desperately needed so far this season. The other play that again specifically to Russ here was the and one that he had that basically ended the play. It's Forty seconds to go. The smart play probably would have been to just kind of slow things up and and see if you could run some time off of the clock. He decides not to do that. He challenges the rim. He gets fouled on his way to the basket, which right there and then makes it a, a net positive play. And then on top of that, he lays the ball up, I believe, again, over Rudy Gobert. And and again, the crowd goes insane. The bench just absolutely explodes. And you could see in both of those moments a fan base and a team that is desperately trying to get be behind this guy just really just fully, you know, kind of on, on an almost soulful level, reach out and grab this guy and say, fuck yeah, man, more of that. And I think that, you know, do I think this is the, the, the kind of thing that definitively will carry forward? The, this is my favorite part of sports because you just never know. I hope so. And without that play, without those two plays, I don't think the Lakers win this game. And... And 
for Russ specifically, this is hopefully the kind of thing that he can really kind of use for some momentum to turn his season around. On a more macro level, I thought this game was a really important one here for the Lakers, not just because they beat a playoff team, but also the way that they beat that team. It wasn't LeBron going full LeBron. He finishes the game in 37 minutes, 25 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds, 9 of 20 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3-point range. Like He didn't shoot 7 of 8 from 3-point range and keep the Lakers in with his own haymakers. He he did LeBron things, and he did enough to win this game. But I, I thought in this one, what defined the winning place here for the Lakers were box outs, were rotations. They were uh, effort plays on the offensive boards. It was Stanley Johnson pushing the pace and taking it directly to Rudy Gobert. It was Austin Reeves <laughs> flying through the air and having that incredible tip in. Uh, that again just ignited the crowd, and so like why I find this game singularly interesting here and singularly important is that it should serve as you know another reminder, especially to the starters who suck tonight. Like it should serve as a reminder those little things. If you do the little things, the big things become just slightly less important and slightly less crucial. And you can do those little things and and win on the margins even while you have stars like LeBron and Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves. So you can you can win on the margins if you win on the margins. It allows you a little bit margin for error in 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 other facets of the game that you're going to be giving up advantages in. The Lakers, you know, they did they started Dwight and he played 22 minutes. But they looked at their absolute best when LeBron was in there at the five and everybody around him was committed to doing the little things that either limit extra possessions for the Utah Jazz and or create more possessions for the Lakers. And and so long as they continue to com- commit to that, and especially when Anthony Davis gets back, now you're talking about a something you can build on. And th- this game, and look... This is the Lakers, and I understand fans who are out there listening right now, rolling their eyes, like, don't get ahead of yourself here. I, I agree, and I it, it is on the Lakers to earn back our trust, given the way that this season has gone. But I, you know, it is also my job to point out what I think are differentiating factors in kind of big-time moments over the course of a season, and this one felt different. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Uh, you know, we had a lighter day yesterday on on the site because of the holiday. Um, so check out stuff as it gets posted uh, either, you know, later this morning or heading into the afternoon as everybody recaps the reactions to this one. Some of the, some fun quotes coming out of this game. LeBron continuing, continuing to tell us that he scouted Austin Reeves is just the best. It is peak LeBron. Uh, so you're going to want to check that out on uh, silverscreenroll.com. And then on the feed just above this show is an interview I did with Jonathan Charks of The Ringer um, where we talked about the Lakers on a more macro level and how they fit into the league, uh, into a league that is a lot more randomized. Uh, and, and yet, you know, how can the Lakers 
get back to title contention. We kind of outlined that and uh, and just had a really good time doing it. So check out that stuff all on silverscreenroll.com and here on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed. Subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. Uh, we did not do the Mailbag Monday again because of the holiday. I screwed up the scheduling there. So get your questions in for next Monday, and I will outline to you all over the course of the week what those shows are going to look and sound like. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this concept as well. Until all of that, and until tomorrow, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.